You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You're listening to the E2C Network. Podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Where you go, Auburn fans? Welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion. Part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson, and I'm also here with Jared Davis. It's time to talk about a bowl game, the Citrus Bowl game. Jared, it's good to be back. We got uh, the news last week about uh, Brian Harson, and now it's time to break down the bowl game. Uh, Jared, how you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good. Got to, uh, you know, do Christmas and looking forward to New Year's. And honestly, kind of surprised we got to this point uh, back in when the season was, you know, starting or not going to start. I didn't know if we'd make it to bowl games. So I'm glad we're here and uh, excited to talk about it. Yeah, no, it truly is impressive uh, that not only at the SEC, but college football as a whole was able to get in so many games. I think the final number for the SEC, 69 out of the 71 scheduled games uh, got to happen. And with fans um, and no serious uh, COVID issues that happened from it. Obviously, there were some breakouts here and there, but then those games got rescheduled for the most part. So it's just impressive that really only two of those games uh, were not uh, able to be made up throughout this whole season when I mean, most most people were thinking this this season wouldn't even happen. If it did, it would get stopped. You know, one or two games into the season, and just you know, it stopped, kind of like basketball was last year, um, in the middle of it. So, uh, I, I love to see this, and I'm I'm excited uh, for this. Um, also, as another note, if the audio is a little off uh, or a little bit different, um, I am uh, not in my normal place uh my normal house so we're actually uh down at the beach on a little vacation so um rough that in everybody's face (laughs) we're we're up here in uh you know you know 30 40 degree weather and you're down there at the beach yeah i might have gone out to the beach in shorts and a t-shirt yeah that's that's very possible (laughs) now you're now you're just digging it in deeper man i am i am (laughs) all right jerry let's talk about northwestern um so not, not many people know too much about Northwestern. Um, so I thought it would be kind of interesting to talk about um, kind of where they, they're at and where their season has uh, gotten to them, uh, where they're now six into and actually number 14 um, based on the college football playoff ranking. So uh, a very good year uh, for them, especially after 2019, they had actually only won one conference game and then they went three and nine. So to go from that to winning uh, their division in the Big Ten uh, is quite a feat to go um, from the two polar opposites um, to where they're at now. So um, it's very obvious that they have a, a good team this year. Um, they definitely rely heavily on their defense. Their defense is a just incredible uh, stopper of just about anything. Um, at this point, uh, they are, I'm trying to find the number for it. They're very impressive. 
um, as far as stopping just about anybody. Um, they are 23rd in FBS uh, and, and just being able to stop teams. Um, and then as far as the number of points, they're actually fifth um, in FBS at only allowing 15 and a half points. So they are having uh, just tons and tons of success on offense or on defense. Um, their offense hasn't really been there um, as much as uh, they had hoped, but um, they've had moments where they've like their first game against Maryland, they were able to put up 43 points. So there's opportunities out there for them to score, but for the most part, they kind of stay around the twenties to thirties kind of range uh, for scoring points. Um, another thing that uh, I just thought was kind of interesting was uh, the teams that they beat. So, Jared, let's go through these and kind of discuss uh, what they they went through um, to get to the six and two record that they have. Uh, first game they beat Maryland forty three to three. That was uh, pretty impressive. Um, I think Talia Tungvalu was on there, um, and uh, yeah, they just completely dominated Maryland. Um, and uh, the next game they had, they ended up uh, very closely winning against Iowa, um, which I think. Iowa might have been ranked at that point. Um, so another good, pretty good win. Um, so then they actually had uh, Nebraska. They also won that one 21 to 13. Um, I think the interesting thing about this one, and this is kind of like a theme that I've seen of their season, um, has has been that they fall behind at some point of the game, um, sometimes even by multiple touchdowns, and then they they slowly creep their way back up. And one of the ways that they seem to do that is through turnovers. So their defense causes turnovers, um, and they turn those into points. So uh, if you're an Auburn fan, uh, this is a very typical don't get your hopes up early. This is something that uh, Northwestern is a very good team at coming back. So, um, What do you think they would – I mean, it's hard to tell – I didn't watch any Big Ten football this year. What do you think their record would have been if they had played our exact same schedule? You think? Um, I mean, it. They only well, if they played all ten games like the SEC schedule, I mean, I think they would be in that similar to Auburn, probably like a six and four kind of record. Um, because it seemed like the teams that were ranked besides Wisconsin um, that they faced were uh, they they struggled with. Um, even some teams that they didn't necessarily uh, that weren't as highly ranked as Northwestern, they still struggled with. So um, there's there's definitely some some meat left on the bone for them. They I don't know, I, but it would probably be about where Auburn. And that's probably why they matched us up against them. Is uh, you know they, they seem like a you know roughly about the same caliber of a team, at least this year. Um, so uh, another couple things that I wanted to note. The next game against Wisconsin, they actually caused five turnovers from Wisconsin, and then they ended up beating them. I think, yeah, Wisconsin at that point was ranked number ten, and uh, in the rankings, so a very powerful team. But yet, uh, Northwestern was able to stop them. Um, so this is something that I, I want to be watching out for: is can Auburn move the ball down the field, which has been one of the struggles of our offense this year. So. Uh, I hope Auburn's offense can get things going and uh, move down the field um, at a good pace. Um, I think that kind of gives you a good picture of where they're at now. I mean, they've won most of their games. The ones that they did end up losing, um, 
it's like Michigan State. That was a weird one. I felt like they were not supposed to lose that one, but yet they did. Um, and then against Ohio State, which, you know, Ohio State's in the playoffs, so um, a very dominant team there. Um, so I kind of take them as, you know, pretty comparable to Auburn. Um, some Somebody that we can definitely beat. Um, I think the spread right now is uh, Northwestern by three and a half points, so Hey, I love being an underdog in these kind of the bowl games. So um, let's go play a little fun. Let's go have a little fun and uh, and beat Northwestern. Um, Jared, any other thoughts about Northwestern and kind of where they're at this season? And uh, uh, how do you think we might be able to beat them? Um, I honestly don't know a ton about them until you, you know, shared all the stats. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I just really, it's just so weird comparing the SEC to the Big Ten, and then this year comparing it because of, you know, they started so much later, they didn't get as many games in. I really look at Northwestern as a probably slight step above Kentucky. To me, Kentucky's just very solid, fundamentally mm-hmm. sound, plays good defense, nothing flashy. I think Northwestern is a, is a step above them. Uh, Kentucky gave us a good game at home, and, you know, there was a a questionable call before half that you know could have flipped that game either way so I think that um it's gonna be tough I mean you know Vegas has them to win but um you know also Vegas is probably taking into account all the craziness that's go that, that was going on at, at Auburn and even though we've settled on a coach now that has zero bearing on this game so we've got a new coaching staff uh how is the team going to respond to that and to be honest with you and this is no knock on anybody but you know, Auburn players are going to go play hard, but when you're in the SEC and you're one of the top four or five teams, it's kind of become disappointing if you don't, you know, wind up playing in a better bowl than that. Yeah. I mean, it's not a New Year's Six Bowl. It is on New Year's Day. Um, I mean, hey, I'll take the Citrus Bowl over the Birmingham Bowl any day for sure. Um, I will. I will <laughs> too. And I'm not knocking – I'm not trying to say we're ungrateful. Um, but you've seen it happen. I mean, Georgia was really good a few years ago. They didn't make it in the playoffs. They went and got destroyed by Texas. They were better than Texas. Um, you saw Alabama get destroyed by Utah earlier in Saban's career. They were better than Utah at the time. Now, we weren't at the cusp of making the playoffs, but, you know, we probably thought we were good enough in the beginning of the year. And to end here, um, I just feel like Northwestern might, you know, it, it, for them to get to that point in the situation they're in, that, that's a huge deal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a you can feel the momentum of their their team uh kind of moving faster than what Auburn's momentum, um especially with your head coach getting fired, uh kind of just shocks the system. Uh and now you got an interim head coach and uh it started to get me think and Jared, I want to pose this question to you. Do you think the players who got recruited by Gus and his uh and his staff are going to play extra hard, especially now that Gus is gone. Almost playing for him, saying, hey, Gus, like we want to make sure our final game of 2020 is uh, one that's going to be remembered. Um, do you think that, that they're going to come out with that extra fire um, that's needed to to win kind of these bowl games? I don't know. I mean, if Gus were st- – <laughs> excuse me, if Gus were still there coaching, and that would be weird, but if he were coaching knowing that that was his last game, I can absolutely see that. Um, I really don't know. I think it's probably going to boil down to how Kevin Steele handles this whole situation. You know, Kevin Steele, if rumors are true, was up for 
the head coaching position. And he got beat out, potentially, by another guy. And so that's a weird situation. So how is he going to handle that? How is he going to be able to get the team prepared? He's a professional. I expect him to get them going. It's just a weird setup. And you just don't know how 18 to 21-year-old kids are going to respond. But, yes, there are people who will probably say, hey, this one's for Gus. I'm going to go give him all. Yeah. I kind of, to some extent, hope that they do, just based on from some of the reactions that I've heard the players make and even some of them tweet about that they were uh, sad about it happening. And, uh, I mean, that's the coach that they came to play for. So um, I hope that they kind of channel that uh, and make sure that this uh, final game is uh, is one to be remembered. Um, one of the other things that you'll probably hear plenty of other times is Auburn did play Northwestern. Um, if you remember back to 2010, it was right after the 2009 season. Um, Auburn played Northwestern in the Outback Bowl. That one ended up going to overtime, and Auburn ended up winning by a field goal. So uh, fun game uh, definitely was had back in 2010, and uh, it's kind of interesting to see where both of those teams are at now uh, compared to back in 2010. Um, and just to think, right after that uh, bowl game when Auburn ended up going on their national championship run with uh, Cam Newton and Gene Shizik and Gus Malzahn as offensive coordinator, so pretty Wait, crazy hint- times. Are you hinting at something, A.J.? Are you saying uh, that if, if we win Saturday, then we'll win a national championship in uh, 2021? Uh, should I go no. on record and say it? I mean, just I, to make it not? happen? Let's do it. Let's do it. We're going on a national championship run next year. <laughs> it's happening. We're doing it. I love it. I love it. When you said it, I was like, wait, is he forecasting here or, or foreshadow- <laughs> foreshadowing? Yeah. That game, by the way, that game took years off my life. We, that was, we couldn't stop anybody. Yeah. And they couldn't stop us. And it was back and forth. And I think, I can't remember exactly, but I want to say we had a chance to win and we got our field goal blocked. So then we had to go into overtime. And I don't know. It was a crazy game. Yeah, that one, I I still remember back to it. And and one of the fun things, my dad's dad, so my grandfather, he he went to Northwestern. My dad went to Auburn. So there's always this little bit of a rivalry going on. And uh this my dad actually wore like half Northwestern, half Auburn stuff, which is kind of weird. I was like, hey, why are you doing this? Um, but we actually got my dad. I don't know if you saw it. They went around on Twitter, but like the half Northwestern, half Auburn hats. So I was like, Dad, you got to wear that. This is your opportunity to wear this hat and us, you know, the house divided kind of concept of, you know, Auburn, Alabama. But Auburn and Northwestern. You don't, you don't <laughs> see too many Northwestern, Auburn house divided. No, <laughs> you don't. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so I, I know my dad will be definitely rooting for Auburn, um, but he does follow Northwestern just because of his dad um, going there. It's a good school. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's jump into our next segment, uh, Players to Watch. Uh, so like I mentioned uh, before, the uh, the defense for Northwestern is a very stout defense. So Auburn's going to have to prove something on offense. So – Jared, who are you going to be watching on offense to get our offense moving down the field and scoring some points enough to beat Northwestern um, in the Citrus Bowl game? I probably hit on them before. I'm going to watch the wide receiving group and mainly the guys that we know have to come back next year. That's Xavion Capers, Kobe Hudson. Um, you know, I, 
I want to see those guys mature a little bit, get some more playing time, get some more catches, and see what they can do. Because the reality is, I would be surprised if Seth Williams doesn't go pro unless he gets a bad grade from the NFL. You never know what Schwartz is doing. He messes with people on social media like nobody's <laughs> business. For sure. Um, and then Eli Stove, I mean, you know, he's been around 40 years, so he could retire. But yeah, so I want to see the younger guys. I keep mentioning them. I need I need more out of them because uh, we can't underestimate. We can't downplay that. I mean, that's a big deal. If we go in next year and Xavion Capers is our number one receiver, we need him to have some experience. Absolutely, and I mean, this is why we have a bowl game. This is to get those uh, guys that may not have gotten as many reps, uh, maybe some extra reps. Um, and and I, I didn't I failed to mention this, but there was definitely a rumor going around that Auburn would. Uh, potentially not accept a bowl bid this year. Uh, and obviously we did. We accepted it. So, I mean, I'm glad for the players to be able to come out and play and have a few more practices just to get more reps out there um, and get momentum going forward. Um, and then even not to mention that, you, you've got uh, a new head coach that I'm sure would love to see as many uh, practices as possible uh, before going into the off season, uh, for the guys that he'll have um, coming into this next season, um, I'm going to be watching the offense. Uh, Tank Bigsby, I think having him get over, um, I think 100 yards would be kind of the benchmark. But I'm really hoping he gets up to like 150, um, like he's done in previous games before. He he can just go off and uh, attack defenses. Um, but I think also if you watch how Tank runs um, and kind of balance that out with something that Northwestern's really struggled with, which is the quarterback draw, uh, is you have Bo take some and you take you have Tank take some. So you have to keep that balance going um, to keep Northwestern a little bit off balance. And if we can do that, I have a lot of hope in our offense moving down the field and driving and scoring scoring some points, um, not just field goals, but some actual touchdowns. Um, Let me jump in real quick because I, I don't think we mentioned it on the other podcast, and I'm not smart enough to understand some of this stuff, but I have heard football people say that uh, uh, Brian Harson they run the stretch play very well, and that is apparently a running back's uh, dream to be able to run that type of play well. And so there are many people that know about football that are saying tank, is going to have a monster year next year if he stays healthy in Brian Harson's scheme. I know we're talking about the bowl game, but since yeah. you mentioned Tank is your guy to watch, uh, that kind of got me excited. Yeah, that definitely gets me excited for just just different run schemes that I'm sure Brian Harson will bring in. Uh, and Tank's, uh, as long as he, like you said, stays healthy, he can be a big part of our offense next year. We're going to take a quick break from this episode for a special announcement. One of the things that we take great pride here at the E2C Network are our listeners are really our E2C Network family. Now, I know they enjoy listening to us, but let's be honest. Every once in a while, they probably would like a little bit of change of pace. Well, that's where you come in if you're a business owner. If you have any interest in partnering with us in terms of ads or sponsorships on our podcast episodes, you can reach us at e2cnetwork at gmail.com. Let us help you reach the widest variety of Auburn fans out there. I mean, come on. 
who else listens to a network where they cover everything from Auburn football to The Bachelor and the connections it has with Auburn. Utilize our podcasts, Facebook live shows, and other flexible partnership opportunities that are available upon request. Let us help you reach the E2C Network family and the Auburn family at large on how you might best be able to serve them. Reach out to us at e2cnetwork at gmail.com for more information. That's all we have for you in this special message. Let's get back into the episode. Let's talk about our defense. Um, who are you going to be watching on defense? Um, even though I know Northwestern's offense isn't necessarily that big, I feel like you do have to stop them. They will score some points, like I said, in that 20 to 30 range typically. But uh, how do we stop them potentially even more than that um, in this in this game? And who are you going to be watching to do that? Probably uh, Owen Pepo. I think he's been kind of hit and miss this year, and he's so talented. So I just want to see him, you know, put it all together in a game. Um, so I'll be keeping an eye on him. You know, he'll, he, he'll be, uh, he'll be a leader next year. Um, he'll be a junior. And so, you know, just every, every game is a chance for him to take a, a step further and mature more, learn the game more. So, um, and, and a huge, you know, a huge part of the defense is to our, for our linebackers to, to fit the run gaps and stuff. So I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on him. Yeah. That's a solid one. Cause I, I feel like as our team goes, so does Papo. Um, if he's yeah. having a good game, then our defense is probably having a good game. Um, Zacoby McLean seems to be a solid, uh, pretty much all-around kind of linebacker, even though he's a little bit undersized. Um, so, good. I like that pick. Um, I'm going to be watching Derek Hall on the defensive line. I really uh, have been really excited about what he's done on uh, the defensive line this year. And uh, I, I, I think him getting pressure on the quarterback has been – um, almost up to what my standards are for somebody getting pressure on the quarterback. Um, it's almost getting to that level, um, but I hope he, he just continues to do that. Because if we can get pressure on their quarterback, the quarterback seems to very much fluctuate between having a really good game and a really bad game. So causing him already to have a tough time in a pocket is uh, something I'm going to be watching. I like Derek Hall. That's a good, that's a good choice. Uh, on special teams, Jared, who are you going to be watching uh, in the Citrus Bowl? Um, that's a good question. I'm probably going to keep an eye on do we get Tank back there again to return kickoffs, and mm. do we actually let him run it? Um, you know, kind of that to me will also be an indicator of his health. So if he if he's back there and given free range to to take off because he hasn't really did we play Tennessee after Ole Miss? I feel like you know, he ran the one back against Ole Miss. And if we played Tennessee the next game, he got hurt like the third carry of that game. So we haven't mm-hmm. really been able to to see if he can do this consistently. Yeah. Um, you know, run him back like I know they call it holding. But, uh, so, yeah, let's see if Tank's back there. Let's see how he's doing on that. And is he given the, the go to, to do what he wants to do? Yeah, that would be neat to see. Because then that gives gives me a good indication he's, if not 100%, he's getting really, really close. Um, I mean, for goodness sakes, I mean, he, he went off against Mississippi State. And uh, he wasn't even doing kickoffs then. So yeah. you give him a few extra weeks of rest, which I'm sure he's been getting. And uh, I have uh, high hopes that uh, that he, he's getting close to that 100%. I agree. Um, I'm going to be watching. Uh, I think I'm going to try to figure out whoever's the punt returner. Um, because I've seen them kind of switch out guys. I know it was tight for a time. So whoever's that, whoever that's going to be. Um, 
and see how that how that works out. Jared, let's go into our score predictions for this game. Now let's kind of talk through Northwestern and uh, where they're at in the season, how well they've done um, to get to this point and win their division um, in the Big Ten. Uh, how are you feeling about this game as far as score predictions, and maybe how do you see this game playing out? I really have no idea. I mean, as far as like the feel of it, I, I feel like Auburn wins. I just, you know, I, you know, I, I think you make a point. Some people, some of these players may play harder than they normally would in a bowl game. You just kind of a tip of the hat to Gus. Um, some of these players may play hard because if they like steel, this very well, or the coaching staff in general, this could be the last time they play with any of them. Um, so yeah, I, I think they're going to go out there, give it a good effort. I think that we probably win 24-17. That's my prediction. What do you I, think? I can see that. No, I could definitely see that kind of score. Um, I was thinking around that like 28-21 to 21 kind of score range. Um, it may even be a little bit closer, kind of be the 24-28 to 28 kind of. Um, I, I mean, I, I think I'm going to go on record and just say we're going to win by three um, because I think this is uh, going to be a tight one. I mean, it – it kind of was playing out that way, um, especially with Northwestern's momentum of just having some a solid year and uh, thinking that they can come in and uh, beat an SEC team. Um, even Auburn on a uh, – it's not a completely down year, but you know, probably more down year than what a lot of people would hope um, as Auburn fans. Um, all right, Jared, let's jump into our last segment, and uh, then we'll kind of round this thing out. Let me tell you real quick before we do, I, I thought this might be kind of interesting because we just assume everybody knows. Uh, I want to share two uh, quick stats about the university itself, if if I can. So yeah, Northwestern, Northwestern is basically in Chicago, mm-hmm. and they are a private school, and Wikipedia has them at 22,000 students. And then, uh, obviously, we know Auburn, not private, and Wikipedia has us at 30,000, uh, or a little over 30. So... Just a little comparison sake about the actual university. Uh, they're private. Um, they wear purple, if anybody's ever not <laughs> seen them play at all. Um, good school. Really, really good school. Um, yeah. So it'll be fun, though, as far as on the football field. But I thought it'd be interesting to share that because not everybody knows where they are or, or what they're about. Yeah, and they they typically attract, a, from what I've heard, a very uh, smart group of, of players. Um, they're 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 very Vanderbilt esque. They've just had more success on the football field. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that, maybe that's something with the next Vanderbilt coach that uh, they can bring is uh, more success. Because uh, I I want and just generally I want the SEC as a whole to be better. I don't want there to be obvious teams like Vanderbilt that can't even win a conference game. Um, because you you want that that the floor to be a little bit higher than that, um, even in some off years uh, like Vanderbilt's had um, over the last few years. Yeah, I think they'll be back. Their their goal, their main goal is to be competitive in all those games and, and steal a few of them, and they've done that in the past. Yeah, definitely. And, and this discussion kind of leads us into our last segment on an Auburn fan perspective on the SEC. Um, like I mentioned, I mean, really the SEC has done a great job of getting most – of its games and like I said, only two of them got canceled because of COVID, um, COVID concerns on teams. Um, but most of those, like I said, were either played on the original date or uh, rescheduled. And uh, I wanted to start out. So we did our initial conversation about uh, Auburn hiring Brian Harson, uh, but since 
then Brian Harson has had his uh, first press conference uh, being introduced as the Auburn head coach for the football program. Um, Jared, was there anything that kind of stood out to you from that discussion? Um, it ended up being, I think, over an hour, um, which is crazy. He, talk, he likes to talk more than Gus, which is not hard. <laughs> That's not hard to do. That's not a knock on Gus. It's just his personality. I mean, yeah, I didn't see the whole thing because it was Christmas Eve. I saw bits and pieces of it. I think that, you know, he's definitely a, a football-minded guy. I think he's a smart guy. Um, he's saying all the right things. Um, you know, I mean, one thing I did, uh, had a couple of buddies point out, and, and they weren't even saying one way or the other. They just pointed it out. And I don't have a thought one way or the other, but – he was asked about the Iron Bowl, I think the first question, mm-hmm. um, and, and I wouldn't say downplayed it, but he definitely, you know, was basically saying, hey, I, I respect Saban and what they've been able to do, uh, but we're going to take every game one game at a time. So uh, do you have, do you know if that's going to rub people the wrong way or are people going to take that in full stride? I mean, I can see why people might have taken that the wrong way because then they're essentially, you know, making the Iron Bowl more or less like you know, a normal Missouri game or something. And it's obviously not. Um, it's something much bigger, um, to, especially to Auburn fans. And the way I kind of took that was his approach is every game is important. And that's what he essentially said, which I, I definitely agree um, on. So it's, I'm also curious because he's never been in the SEC, how his perspective of the Iron Bowl is. Um, because once you live in the state of Alabama, and specifically when you live in Auburn, you understand that rivalry that much more. Um, so I want to see how that kind of changes his uh, his I don't know perspective on the Iron Bowl uh, once he gets down here. Because I mean, if you've ever lived in the state of Alabama you know it's a big deal. And uh, he he was more or less kind of just saying, I respect Alabama, I respect their program, I respect what Saban's done, obviously one of the best coaches of all time, but it's like any other game. But at some extent, it's not. <laughs> it's like, it, there's a different level. So I can kind of see where people are coming at it as downplaying, but then I also see it as uh, he's just – He's a football coach. He understands every game is important, especially if you want to go towards the championships. You got to win every game to get to a championship. I didn't have a problem with it, and I'll be honest with you. A lot of people just say that stuff. Every game is important. If he's truly approaching it, every game is important. We'll we'll get to the Iron Bowl and talk about the Iron Bowl in November. Mm-hmm. Then that's great because every game yeah. is important. So I didn't have any problem whatsoever with it. But I, I just thought I'd bring it up because I know people are going to chatter about it. Yeah, I didn't necessarily have a problem with it, but I can see why um, people might have perceived it as that way if uh, they listened to it. Um, but I also just wanted to hit on a couple other things that I think were uh, key that I, I took from this. Um, first off, he definitely talked a lot about um, football just being a developmental kind of game, and it sounds like his mentality is every day we're getting better. Um, if you aren't getting better, you're getting worse. Um, is his mentality. And I want to see that, obviously, in practice. I mean, talk is cheap. Uh, I want to see the players get better. Um, but if that's his mentality is you got to develop every player every day, uh, then we're going to be a better team uh, with him um, each day going forward. So um, I want to see that, that in action. Um, another thing that I – it's still kind of my big question mark about Brian Harson is – uh, how he's going to be able to recruit in the SEC. And he was asked 
very uh, directly about that, just not having his recruits um, that he's normally recruited in the South. Um, he's never had to recruit really around here. Um, so how is he going to be able to do that? And one of, I thought it was a kind of a telling statement is he thinks he can recruit essentially around uh, America. He's going to be able to get pretty much any, or he thinks he can, you know, go around and not just stick to, you know, Auburn's, you know, circle of influence, which is, you know, the Alabama, Florida, Georgia kind of area. So um, I want to see how that plays out as too, um, because I'm I'm really curious if he's got particular guys in mind that he's maybe recruited at um, Boise State and now thinks he could probably bring down to um, Auburn to play. So I want to see how that plays out, especially if Auburn's got some extra slots and uh, he can pull some strings and get some guys down here. Um, anything else, Jared, that you've kind of uh, noted from the last few days um, about Brian Harson uh, that we want to talk about? No, I think uh, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, I do – I like the idea of going all over the country to um, pick up recruits because I do think until you actually start landing top five recruiting classes, building that momentum, he may have to go snag some people in places that Georgia and Alabama don't have to go look. Um, And it may be a stud five star. It's just you're getting them from going to USC. You're convincing them to come play in the SEC. Um, So, yeah, I, I like that. Um, You have to have your base here, though. I mean, you have to be getting players in the southeast. But, you know, to fill in some offensive line gaps, uh, throw sprinkle in a a, a big-time athlete out there that others weren't looking at because they didn't need to. Um, Yeah, I've been thinking that for several years now, that that's probably how we combat the machine that is Alabama and the one that's becoming Georgia. you know, LSU's a machine, but, you know, they don't have competition in the state of Louisiana. They they essentially, you know, they got first dibs on any, yeah. any kid in that state. So yeah. uh, we may have to do things a little different. So we'll see. I'm glad that uh, he at least sounds like he has a plan. Yeah, and it sounded like uh, Alan Green was very pleased with his recruiting plan. Um, even the guys like uh, that were kind of on the search committee sounded very pleased as well. So um, I I – Again, it's one of those things he said it, and he's got a good plan. Now let's go execute on that plan. I mean, there you go. Uh, it, talk is cheap, but action is um, where it's at, um, right. especially in the game of football. Um, another uh, thing that we want to talk about is uh, Florida. So if you haven't heard Dan Mullen um, in Florida, uh, they have a one-year show cause penalty for violating uh, recruiting rules. Uh, they ended up talking to guys that were um, – Below the junior class level, which uh, if you do any off-campus recruiting, uh, you're not allowed to talk to anybody um, that's below a junior um, level. So um, they ended up doing that. Uh, It's kind of more or less a slap on the wrist. They got a $5,000 fine, which big whoop, $5,000. That's, you know, a few tickets. Um, So and then on top of that, they were given a four-day off-campus recruiting ban um, during the next fall 2021 um, uh, time to recruit. So uh, that'll be not too bad. Um, I'm I'm sure they'll still be able to do stuff. Um, and uh, I don't think it should hurt them too bad. Um, 
but it's one of those things where the NCAA is just like, all right, hey, you did something bad, and uh, we're going to you know, throw a little slap on the wrist for you. You think Dan Mullen will try to fight the NCAA like he did? Uh, <laughs> what, I don't remember what Missouri oh, maybe. I don't know. Oh, gosh, that would be ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. If, oh, if he does, Dan. If he does that, he will be more hated than Bruce Pearl is to the NCAA. <laughs> and the bad thing is, I think Bruce Pearl is probably a saint compared to Dan. Dan kind of annoys me a little bit, but he also looks like Cousin Eddie on Christmas Vacation. I don't know if oh, yes. put the two side by side. We were watching that yep. the past few days. I was like, that's Dan Mullen. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. I think even one year when he was at Mississippi State, he actually wore a Christmas Vacation sweater, uh, like an so ugly sweater. So, so, I, so I, he's think by, he's, I think he's, he's aware just, of his of that connection. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> um, a couple of Heisman uh, finalists were announced. Uh, so we had uh, from the SEC, Kyle Trask from uh, Florida, which you know my boy Kyle Trask over there. Oh yeah, you, you yeah you, you'll be super excited um, if he wins. Oh, dude, I'm gonna be so excited because I've already said um, on record that if he becomes Heisman, I can no longer call him Kyle Trash, but I don't know, we'll see. We'll he ain't one of yet. He ain't one of the yet, AJ. You still no. have hope, my man. No. Um, and then also Alabama got a couple guys in there, uh, Devontae Smith and uh, Mac Jones. I think even Najee Harris might have gotten fifth as far as voting goes. So he could have had three guys in there um, if he had four that uh, got invited to be finalists. So, um I mean, Devontae Smith is the most athletic player. I mean, I, it's not going to go to him because they just don't pick anybody but quarterbacks anymore. But true. Um, and I don't, you know, well, I don't care about offending anybody. Uh, I don't want an Alabama player getting it. So I hope Devontae <laughs> and Mac Jones split votes and Kyle gets it. Um, I don't like, I don't really care for Florida, but I'd rather them. So, anyways, but if you're going off a of non biased on paper, mm-hmm. who is the most athletic player? Uh, it's Devontae Smith. Yeah. Uh, I, I've watched him, and there's times where it reminds me of the speed of Anthony Schwartz, where he can just have this top speed that nobody can reach him, um, but also the wide receiver skills of somebody like Seth Williams. And it's the beauty of – I don't know. I'm, uh, he's He's got some skills, that's for sure. I think his route running – I think the majority of his success comes before he even catches the ball. He's just got – he just runs routes perfect. Yeah, and 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 the right angles to where yeah, once he catches it, he gets at top speed and he's gone. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm kind of along the same route as you. I think if I had to place money on it, I'd probably go with Kyle uh, Trash to get the Heisman, and then I can stop <laughs> calling that. You're still um, throwing it in there. I, <laughs> I got to get in it as long as I can because the next podcast he may have the Heisman. So that's right. <laughs> um. And then I also wanted to note, I actually got a notification about this as we were recording this. Um, Missouri and the Iowa game, it was, this was the Music City Bowl, ended up getting canceled because of COVID. Uh, I think of Missouri's players, um, so that one's no longer happening. Um, but, uh, yeah, this, this, this is, I don't know, it should be kind of interesting. Um, if there's any year that some weird bowl stuff can happen, this is going to be one of those years. So um, I'm going to be watching a lot of that. Uh, over the next few days to see what happens. Um, Jared, any other final thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, no, not really. Just uh, excited. We got one more game to watch. It's going to be interesting with Steele on the sideline as the coach. And just see how the team responds. See if Bo develops a little more. Um, and, you know, sit back and enjoy some football on January 1st. 
yeah, I'm, I'm glad we get to play some, and I uh, really hope we can pull out this win and uh, have a good good way to go into the next uh, era of Auburn football under Brian Harson. Yes, sir. Uh, Jared, before we get out of here, how can the people stay in contact with you? Uh, just find me on Facebook or Instagram under my name, Jared Davis. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at A-J-A-Y-J-A-Y underscore. It's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?